1: All right, your time is seven ten here on Brian and Company and WTTC News Talk ten eighty. All right, so you know, Doctor Larry Laser, if if you know him and remember him, he came on the show quite a bit when he was running for Congress in the first district against John Larson. And you know, we sort of <laughs> just so you know, like you know, our children run cross country against each other, so I'd see him, you know, out in the field outside of work as well. And you know, when he presented me the opportunity to talk to. Brad Raffensperger, I was, you know, very excited. And if you don't know um, the backstory, where you have been? <laughs> um, he's the Secretary of State in the state of Georgia. You know, was pretty new to the job when the 2020 election came through, and and you know, people, most people just remember the phone conversation with Donald Trump when then President, you know, was quote unquote looking for 11,000 votes. Uh, and he's joining us in studio now as well with uh, Jordan F- uh, Fuchs. His the Deputy Secretary of State. I just want to say, first of all, good morning. Good morning. I, I You know, I, I said this to you off the air. I, I think of the Michael Lewis books, The Big Short and Moneyball, when you had people with a philosophy or a theory or an approach to something, and everyone told them they were wrong, they were crazy, and yet they continued to follow through. And that's a certain level of courage. And I, I, I do want to say that I don't know what I would have done if the most powerful person on the planet at the time was doing that? Like, I don't know. Like, it's the same thing, like, if I was ever called to fight in a war, how would I react? Like, I don't know what I would have done. I would hope I would have responded the way you did. But I think that you you must know by now that everyone, you know, people who love country over party, you know, they look back at that and and they're pretty awestruck by it. I I mean, do you still get – I'm sure you get it from both sides. I understand that. But do you still get – So thank you for that, by the way. Do you get those kind of responses still?
2: I get positive responses from people thanking me. But if we keep it real, I just did my job. I know, but in the moment, were you like,
1: did you have any doubt about how to handle it? Not at all?
2: it It was just trying to explain with as much grace and diplomacy as possible why President Trump came up short. And... That's what I did in that phone call. I let them know that there weren't 10,000 dead people that had voted in Georgia. At the time, we had found two. We found two more. Uh, there was not uh, not a single underage voter. They said there were 66,000 in part of their lawsuit. There was zero. But you can register in Georgia when you're now 17 and a half. So people are registering, but we checked their day, month, year, and they all had turned 18 by election day, things like that. And just, we just went through you know the litany of that, and I just had to... I want to be respectful of his positional authority, and I think that's one of the things that we've lost in America is people don't respect people's positional authority. Mm-hmm. If you're a doctor, that's a hard degree to get. That takes years to do. I'm an engineer. I worked hard for it, but four years. Then I go out and practice. Yeah. and do so you, we want to you Even went to that. Canada to get it. <laughs> so you look at uh, at people that are you know if you're an assemblyman, if you work in the state house, the state rep, a state senator, governor, uh, president, uh, and I think we just need to respect the office that they hold. And then we have those offices. I think that we should act responsibly and respectfully so that people are proud of what you do, even if they don't agree with your policies. Yeah, They say that's a person of character.
1: Man, I want to go in so many directions. I want to bring you in. But is there a general, like, is there a degradation of, I don't want to say morality or ethics or what have you, but I mean, it, do you see a broad degradation in Is that representative of how we're treating each other in general? I mean, are you concerned about the macro, how America deals with each other?
2: I think our political discourse is obviously fractured, and we don't communicate, and that's unfortunate. But I think by and large, if you get down to your, at the city level, the town level, travel anywhere in Connecticut, anywhere in Georgia, I think you're going to find that most people are good. And most people treat each other respectfully. They may disagree on the politics. They may disagree on which football team. You know, is this pa- is this Patriots country or is this actually New York Jets, New York Giants country? You know, you'd have some great conversations, but that's not going to lead you to war. Yeah. And well, so we have conversations. This
1: room is Patriots country, so, yeah. I mean. It- I can see that
2: because go- <laughs> I was a Tom Brady fan.
1: Yeah, I was what, too. I wasn't going to say 28-3 or anything like that. I mean, that's. That's we pretty, remember. <laughs> yeah, I know uh, we're talking with Brad Raffensperger, who is the Secretary of State in Georgia, and Dr. Laser. So, how, why are we here? Like, how do we get to this point where I'm sitting down with 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 the three of you?
3: Yeah, first of all, it's great. It's uh, a gentleman, Ari Schaefer, who moved to West Hartford, who worked for Brad Raffensperger in Georgia for a couple of years, and now is working at Yale at the William F. Buckley Program, and invited uh, Secretary Raffensperger to come up and reached out to me. We'd had coffee before. He's a Republican. And said uh, Secretary Rasmussenberger was willing to an event, and we jumped on it. And he's being very modest. Obviously, you know he's uh, uh, you know greatly admired for what he did. Uh, he's pushed back on a bad part of our history, and he's also done it against Democrats who who say there's voter suppression and high levels in Georgia. You know, uh, uh, Joe Biden said uh, it's Jim Crow 2.0. Uh, his press secretary said Trump stole the election in 2016, and said Stacey Abrams. Election was still in 2018. So he's pushed back on both sides. But, you know, for me, the Republican Party needs people like Brad Raffensperger to step up, do his job. But he did it in an honorable way. And if we have the trust of the voters with good policy, we can start to turn the Republican Party in a good direction in Connecticut.
1: You know, first of all, you're speaking at Yale tonight. Mm-hmm. And what time yes. is that? And and so on. So if people, it's open to the public. It's open to the public. I'll get you the schedule. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll take care of that. It's at six o'clock, six o'clock. and uh, we'll get some more details. But before we turn things around, you know, as as a lifelong Republican, Brad, you know, wh- what does the president' future hold? I mean, you have uh, Donald Trump running for president again. You have a broad spectrum of ambitious candidates. Would be interesting to see what happens. They say the more candidates, the better it is for Trump. But do you think that there's a place for the more moderate Republican, the more traditional sort of small government?
2: Republican to to have strength in this country? I think it's being principled, having policies, but then also being able to contain yourself and project a message of confidence, but also being civil to each other. Uh, I think Ronald Reagan was a great model. Sometimes I talk about Eisenhower. Those were boring days in the 50s, but personal net worth of Americans went up faster during the 50s than any other time and yet you know, people always thought it was kind of a boring time right and maybe we can make politics boring again
1: yeah I mean it won't be good for the cable networks but I think it'd be good for the country most likely we're talking with Brad Raffensberger of course uh, the Secretary of State in Georgia and dr Larry laser uh, former candidate in the first District and and a, and a doctor I want yeah. to get to a bunch of other things including the sec uh, the state of the Union last night but I do have to Take a quick break, Matt. Do you want me to do QC here? Or can I? Okay, all right. We're back with Brad Raffensperger, Secretary of State in Georgia, and Larry Laser, Doctor Larry Laser. You know, I wanted to get to. You talked about the civility, Brad. And last night, and I think it's it's been pointed out to me, and I think it's true. You know, back when somebody called President Obama liar during the State of the Union, it was a huge deal. Last night, there were tons of interruptions, and I do think that it's on both sides. I mean, listen, no matter what you think of Donald Trump, like what. Nancy Pelosi did in ripping up that speech was, it was discomforting too. And, and so when you hear people yelling liar or people, you know, it's, it's worse than British Parliament in a lot of ways because it's just that there's no tradition for it. I mean, how do you react to those kind of moments?
2: I don't go there. Uh, management guru, Peter Drucker, had an essay. It's a great essay. It's called Managing Oneself. And I figure if I work on Brad every day, that's going to keep me plenty busy. And I think if more people did that, the world would be a whole lot better place. You, know, <laughs> that's
1: a good pol- political politician's answer right, right there. And I'll I'll take I'll take it f- for what it is. You know, I'll take that answer. And you being here, do, I mean, do you have do you have national aspirations, or is this you're just here because of your relationship with Mr. Schaefer? And yeah,
2: and, and I love to spread the message. Uh. My sister, when I was probably about 20 years old, uh, she's a year older, and she's on the other side of the aisle probably, but she's a very nice person. (laughs) But she gave me a little post-it pad. It was a picture of an elephant that died in the world conservative. So I've been a died-in-the-world conservative probably (laughs) since I've been 12 years old. I've just always wanted to own a business. I always believed in the principles of the Republican Party, and I just believe that we have great principles. And we have to have people that are spokesmen for it, that represent those principles, and they do it with dignity and honor. And I think when we do that we get back to it, that's when we start winning again. And last night, what I did say, and I believe this is so true, is I think both political parties know they don't have a future leader. And they're both kind of sifting around looking for who is that person that's going to lead us to, quote, the promised land. And whoever gets that person first is going to probably lead the next 40-year cycle.
1: Well, what's fascinating is that there's a lot of names bandied about, and when you look at some of their accomplishments, they're pretty impressive individuals. But, you know, do we not attract enough of the top true talent to politics because of maybe the way they go through their personal lives? Or they it's, I don't know. I mean, I, I, are, we, uh, are we have a problem with talent in politics?
2: I think we have an awful lot of strong Republican governors that have led their states with uh, you know fiscal responsibility and they've really have leaned into it and their states are you know, very healthy. Uh, so from that standpoint, I think we have other strong Republicans in other offices. So I think we have a really strong bench but there are plenty
1: of capable governors who can't get elected, right? There, I mean, the governors are great because they they have mandates to you know balance budgets and and so on and so forth. In Massachusetts, where I grew up, in general is as liberal as they come. But you know, Baker was the most popular governor in America, Charlie Baker. So, and I, it, but getting that person who's a good executive to the White House is a totally different story.
2: Well, they have to have a message that resonates with two hundred and seventy one electoral votes and that means you have to have a broad-based coalition. And if you look at what we did in Georgia, both my governor and myself in this last cycle, we both built broad-based coalitions and that's why we won so strong. We were able to find people that were independents that were saying, this is what I can support and they supported me and my governor. And so we've actually uh, reshored, onshored, what do you wanna call it, lost Republicans. Republicans we started losing in 2014, 16, 18, 20. Right. We started seeing them coming back that was their history of being Republicans, and we had lost them, and we're bringing them back. And I'm going to continue to reach out to people, and I think you do that by having conversations with people.
1: Dr. Laser. you know, you can't win in Connecticut without independence. You, you can't get all the Republican vote and win. It's impossible statistically, right? So what, what did you learn in, in the process of running about being a Republican in Connecticut or just being a Republican in general in the political sphere?
3: Yeah, I think in Connecticut, you're looking at a long game. Uh, it'd be really tough to win now with the way the numbers are stacked. And so I think you're looking at turning a ship, which takes time. And as we said earlier, it's trust and good policy with some empathy. And that combination, I think, would be good. Um, but you need you need different things. You need the political media to do their job. You need... Uh, people like John Larson to agree to do debates. Uh, debates are the cornerstone of democracy. We got one debate where we each got to talk for 30 minutes. Yeah. Voters should be angry at that. You know, he agreed to debate Social Security. He would not follow up on that. You know, read about a Social Security plan on the uh, Center for Budget and Policy program and, and talk about, you know, what the concerns are with that, how it puts us in worse fiscal shape. So, you know, I'm looking at this as a long game. I You know, I'm 60 years old. I'm excited to be part of the process. But in Connecticut, we need a change. And I think if we chip away at the right areas, we can see that.
1: It's interesting because I did learn through the process of watching challengers and incumbents and watching you that Connecticut's a sleepier political state than Georgia. Georgia's been on fire for, you know, eight years and on top of the fact that Connecticut can be a little sleepy, there are things in place that make it difficult to challenge. There's a decided favor toward incumbents in so many different ways, and I think that accountability is something that can definitely be a part of of a positive change. And that's not to be anti-incumbent, but it, it's not. It's 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 an advantage enough as it is to be an incumbent. And there's some things in place that make that more so. Uh, integrity counts as the book, Brad, and you know people who didn't get a chance to. To, to look at it or see what, you know, what's the core philosophy in the book that, you know, and how does it hold up now, say, two years later?
2: Well, integrity always matters. And I think that's our way back. At the end of the day, it's about having character, integrity. Ability to have civil discourse. When I was in the State House, I, we actually have a big mosh pit, and I sat a Democrat on the left, Democrat on the right, you just get us wherever the open seat is. But we had conversations, and I think we need to have that in Washington, D.C. And I definitely, we had it in our General Assembly. Yes, we had team votes, and but we still did it respectfully. And I think that's really important. But it, at the at the core issue, it's it gets down to having good policies, being principled, and, and still being respectful. And it works.
1: You know, it's funny i look at dc and the machine of government it's like the biggest most inefficient business in the history of mankind right i mean you know there's so many people making so much money in dc it's hard to see how to change how to change it i mean when you view state local politics is one thing state politics is another national politics is a whole another ball game i mean how does how does the integrity part of it like what do, what needs to be done in dc to to slowly sort of is it possible to to write the ship, and, and how does integrity deal with it in real terms? Because having good character is great, but how do you go to D.C. and you know, not have lobbyists and consultants mm-hmm. making half a million a year by not, not doing a whole lot?
2: Well, I think you have to drive your stake in the ground, and one of your stakes is we're going to do more with less. I did that when I was on city council. That was my slogan, but do more with less. We do that. Our budget in Secretary of State's office actually is, is smaller now than it was you know, four years ago. Uh, We've had some increases, but if you look at our headcount, it's down. So we're actually doing more with less, and some of that is with technology. But if you look at what Newt Gingrich did, you know, the Republican Congress. Now, I know Bill Clinton got all the credit, whatever, but what they said is we're just going to slow down. They didn't say they're going to reduce the spending. They just slowed it down, and the the revenue captured it and caught up to it. And about 2000, 2001, we had three or four years where we had you know, slight surpluses. Yep. So you can do it without creating, you know, tremendous hardship on people. People know there's just all this money you're spending, and it's not trickling down to the people that really could use that help. So why don't we just focus on the key things that the government should be able to do? Why don't, for job one, why don't they fix the post office? That's actually in the original U.S. Constitution. Post roads, post office. So that goes back to, what, 1789? So why don't they fix the post office? Why
1: yeah. don't you renovate, get new tile floors in some of those places? So you, they look like they haven't been touched since 1975. We only have a little bit of time here, but you know, and this is a huge subject. But uh, you know, voting—whether do we need to go back to paper ballots and hand counts, or you know, what what is the key? Because I never questioned the integrity of American elections as a kid. I was like, it's America. Turns out we're just as much on the precipice as a lot of third world countries. So what what do you think we need to do to make the vote, you know, trusted?
2: It's the machines are accurate. We do have paper ballots in Georgia and we can audit any race. We can do a one hundred percent hand recount. But if you started saying we want to do hand counting of ballots, you'd be there all day, all night. Even in small counties in Georgia with 2,000, 5,000 people. we have some very small, you know, counties population-wise. That would take them a long time because people need to understand the American ballot isn't just voting for the president, or just voting for a governor. You could have 20 races on there: your state rep, your state senator, county commissioners. In Fulton County, Georgia, you actually elect your county surveyor. So you think about how many races are on yeah. there, to hand count that, you'd have more errors. Now, the scanners are fine. They're checked. They're e- in, in Georgia, they're EAC, United States Election Assistance Commission certified. They go through a testing process. But then we also do our own testing, and then you, we do audits to verify the accuracy of the count. So you think the combination of
1: paper ballots with the scanning system is well, it
2: works? But you no, know, the challenge. We believe that. Uh, we believe. I strongly believe in photo ID. In fact, we pushed hard back. Yeah, A majority we, of all Americans support photo ID, but there's an activist wing of the Democrat Party that don't support. They say it suppresses the vote, and yet now there's peer-reviewed studies that have come out that show it does not depress and suppress the vote. And it gives people confidence in the process. So why don't we build confidence in the system? You may do that by making sure only American citizens vote in your elections. You make sure that they have to be a resident of your state of Georgia or Connecticut. And you make sure you have photo ID. And we use photo ID for absentee voting. We use photo ID for all in-person voting.
1: So this afternoon, I believe at 4.30, uh, through the William F. Buckley Jr. program at Yale, Brad Raffensperger will be speaking. And, of course, he's the Georgia Secretary of State, Dr. Larry Leeser a uh, former candidate for the 1st District. And, of course, uh, Jordan Fuchs, the Deputy Secretary of State. It's good, no, no, it's good to see all of you. I wish we had more time. I mean, the voting stuff is fascinating to me. I, I'd like to uh, talk about that more. But it, it, it's a pleasure to have you both. Larry, you're welcome a- anytime. And, and I do mean it that I do think when when we deal with this in history and look back on it, that moment will will be there in perpetuity. So we appreciate the time.